from COK Studios on Lynn Rosetto Casper's houseboat, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider how the 2016 presidential candidates are reaching out to minorities in our Consider the Vote coverage. We'll also consider a look back at the life of the legendary performer, Jiminy Cricket. And we'll consider whose bed your boots have been under. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from The Harry Box, delivering designer wigs right to your door. Keep the wigs you want, send back the ones you don't. The Harry Box. Ask about our new line of cruelty-free Merkins. And the collection plate at church. We swiped a couple of 20s while Father Mark wasn't looking. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. The 2016 presidential candidates have been openly trying to court minority voters, some with more success than others. The GOP candidates remain woefully behind their Democratic counterparts when it comes to relating to and wooing women, Hispanics, African Americans, and the LGBT community. These groups will be key to anyone seeking their party's nomination. Here with us to discuss how the candidates are playing to minorities are LGBT correspondent Trevin Motley and our very own intern Ryan Shattuck, who is doing his first on-air report here on COK. Thank you both for being here. Thanks! I'm so excited to finally get on the air. This is a dream come true. Hi, Dinah. Trevin, let's start with you. How are these candidates appealing to minority voters? Well, the Republicans are a hot mess. They literally haven't done anything right so far. Hillary Clinton does a nice job saying the right things, but she comes across a bit phony or insincere to many voters who don't already support her. Bernie Sanders is doing the best because he really talks the talk and walks the walk. He still looks like your crazy uncle, though, so that's working against him. I see. Ryan, I was wondering, could you get me a cup of coffee? I can, but I'm here today to do my report, Miss Mallow. I spent like 15 hours going through all of the candidates' speeches and ads. <laughs> Cream and sugar would be great. Ooh, if you're going, I would love a pumpkin spice latte. But, but I, just hurry back and we'll ask you about the campaigns. Fine. He's kind of moody today. I know. Anyway, what are the candidates' ads doing to project a message of inclusion for minorities? I'm not sure. Uh, Ryan, the intern, was doing that research. Oh, well, let's just play the first ad. This one is from Hillary Clinton. I know what it's like to feel like an outsider. Even when I was on the inside, there were things that separated me from the rest. My gender, my age, my hairstyles, my cankles. These are not things that one simply overcomes without some difficulty. Like so many of you, I want to make sure that everyone gets to have their voice heard. Don't let the GOP treat you like they treated me and my email preferences or my meaty calves. Stand with me and I will help you achieve great things. Not first female president great, but still pretty good. I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. Paid for by Kinkles for a Free America. I can see how that message comes off as a bit insincere. It's just that she always somehow makes it about herself. Very true. What are some of the GOP candidates doing, if anything? Honestly, the Republican candidate that wins will be the one minority voters hate the least. They'll be like the valedictorian of summer school. What do their ads sound like? 
I'm not sure. Here's one the intern found. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush. All of these candidates have pandered to minority voters. Why would you want to be pandered to by these lightweights when you can be insulted by a billionaire? When Donald Trump is president, you Mexicans, women, and other weird little groups will be thanking him. Thanking him for the honor of being mentioned at all by the most powerful man in the world. Perhaps the most powerful man ever. Donald Trump isn't looking out for you, but he is insulting you. And that's about to be one of our nation's highest honors. Vote Trump, losers. Watch out, here I come. Paid for by minorities wanting to be insulted. That's quite a different approach. I know. Thank you for the report today, Trevin. Wait, wait, Miss Mallow, Mr. Motley, I'm back. I'm ready to talk about the campaign ads now. Oh, I'm sorry, Brian. We just finished up. Good research, though. It's Ryan. Oh, yeah, really good work. But it was my day to be on air. Oh, I'm sorry. We just really needed that coffee. Good job on that, too. But what about all the good stuff I wrote? Next time. Oh, and I think Connor and Fritz wanted coffee, too. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. That was COK's Trevin Motley and Brian the Intern. It's Ryan! You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Joining us now is our entertainment reporter, Fritz Hicks. Hi, Fritz. Hello, Connor. This week marks the 100th birthday of a true film legend. Yes, yes. Thursday would have been the 100th birthday of Disney icon and one of my favorite performers of all time, Jiminy Cricket. I spoke to cricket historian and author of the new book, America's Cricket, Cliff Edwards. Everyone knows Jiminy Cricket, the lovable conscience from Walt Disney's Pinocchio. But few really know much about him beyond his work in that seminal film. Maybe you and I had better have a little heart-to-heart talk. Why? Well, you want to be a real boy, don't you? Uh-huh. All right. Sit down, son. Born Jiminy Krikatovsky in Manhattan in August of 1915, he had a very humble upbringing. The Krikatovskys were a poor family and needed their children to work to make ends meet. Jiminy and his older brother Melvin went to work in the garment district, but they hated it. The boys didn't want to do that kind of work, so they tried to find a way out. After their mother took them to see a vaudeville review starring Moisha the Mantis and his grasshopping klezmer band, Melvin and Jiminy knew what they wanted to do. Show business was hard for the boys, and even though they loved it, Jiminy and Melvin struggled to get gigs. The singing Krikatovskys weren't too popular in those early days, and they barely made any money. Melvin quit after two years and went back to the garment district, but performing was in young Jiminy's blood. He changed his name to the less ethnic-sounding Cricket, and that immediately got him more exposure. Jiminy started working in radio, doing songs from his vaudeville act and jokes that he wrote with Melvin, who had now become his manager. He was such a sincere performer. You couldn't help but like him. Radio was great for him because it allowed people to just enjoy his work and not get so bogged down in the fact that he was, in fact, a bug. He worked with Orson Welles, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, and all of the big stars of that era. It was only a matter of time before he hit it big. And hit it big he did. Walt Disney heard him chirping one night at a club in New York and cast him in his new film, Pinocchio, without even an audition. Walt loved him right away. He had an eye for talent, and he just felt that America would relate to Jiminy as Pinocchio's conscience. And you 
get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle, give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, give a little whistle, give a little whistle. For everyone involved, that movie was huge. Jiminy became a household name and people began wearing spats and carrying umbrellas to emulate the diminutive star. Unable to serve in World War II due to a malformed mandible, Jiminy devoted his time to helping with the war effort at home. Well, Walt Disney used Jiminy for the propaganda films like Always Let the A-Bomb Be Your Guide and Jiminy Cricket vs. the Huns. Sadly, Melvin Cricket was killed in World War II on D-Day with the 21st Airborne Insect Division. Melvin's death sent Jiminy into a tailspin. He was up to a 15 thimble of whiskey habit by 1950. Thank God his friends eventually stepped in. Pinocchio, Mickey Mouse, and Walt Disney all came to Jiminy's aid and helped him kick his drinking habit and get back on the straight and narrow. Anytime Jiminy felt like he was slipping into temptation, he just gave a little whistle and Walt Disney was there for him. That friendship really meant so much to both of them. It defined their careers in many ways. Jiminy turned down major roles in Cleopatra, The Dirty Dozen, and The Great Escape because of his loyalty to Disney. He opted instead to host Disney cartoons and have his own segment on the Mickey Mouse Club. Jiminy was a bachelor all his life, but he did have some hot and heavy romances. <laughs> he was attached to a lot of ladies over the years. Ava Gardner, Elizabeth Taylor, Julie Andrews. But I think Melvin's death made him wary of getting close to anyone. He just couldn't bear the thought of losing another person he loved. Even when his career slowed down near the end of his life, Jiminy still found time to promote anything and everything Disney. He was a Disney bug through and through. When Walt died in 1966, Jiminy said a part of him died too. It wasn't surprising that he died only five years after his friend at the age of 56. 44 years after his death, the legacy of Jiminy Cricket remains strong. Cliff Edwards' book called America's Cricket will be released next week. For COK News, I'm Fritz Hicks. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, go to our website, considerourknowledge.com, for more news and stories. You can also get breaking news from the COK team on Twitter, at ConsiderOurKnow. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Hobart Willis, Jeremiah Knight, Marianne Wetzel, Spencer Cannon, Libby Mitchell, and our intern is Ryan Shattuck. A very special thanks today to David Ogden. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Honestly, the Republican candidate that wins will be the one from Mount Rose, Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amber Atkins. Amber Atkins.